0: Hi guys, my name's Adele Yango, and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I've been trying to start this episode for like <laughs> 10 minutes, but I've been finding all my interests to be so corny. But anyway, let's just go. I'm not starting this one again. I really do hope that you've had a fantastic week. Mine has been so hectic emotionally because... I had anxiety just lingering around me for like the first three days of this week. Thursday morning, I woke up and it was gone. I was just like, thank heavens it's gone because anybody who has anxiety, you know how... First, it's just exhausting because I had anxiety. I had to go for meetings. Some of them were pitches, so you're pitching either yourself or your product And (laughs) inside you, man, your stomach is doing all sorts of things. It (sighs) is it is exhausting, but I'm glad that it kind of like lingered off on Thursday. I really don't know. Yeah, I'm really struggling with that because sometimes my anxiety comes and I, I catch it at a point where I can quickly put on or open up my MindShift app do my breathing exercises, and do all of those thoughts, writing, journal exercises. And then sometimes it comes like on gear 10 from the word go, and I can't even get the energy to open up the app. Or it comes when I actually do not have the time or the energy to focus on my anxiety because I'm probably writing proposals, getting on calls, you know, going to record stories. And I just... I don't know. I don't have a fully working formula for it yet. I know if I catch it early, mind shift works wonders for me. But when it comes to the gear 10 vibes, man... (laughs) It gets a bit tricky, but anyway, it's not around now, so I'm enjoying the peace of mind more than anything. So big shout out to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. Honestly speaking, we have really grown. We're about to turn one on the 18th of March. I'm so excited. I'm putting together a special event. Kindly, 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 if you're in Nairobi or in the outskirts, meaning you can, you know, jet in. Maybe there's somebody who loves this podcast enough to like fly in for Okay, maybe not. <laughs> All I ask is that March 18th, 7 p.m., you keep your diary free. Like, write down right now, they have a date with me on the 18th of March at 7 p.m. I will be giving you the details really soon. I think part of me is so nervous <laughs> to put together Legally Clueless's first gig Oh, so I'm just like, oh, my God, I hope, you know, everybody who comes enjoys it. I hope people come first and foremost. Let's just start there. (laughs) It could just be me and the like waiters. (laughs) At least my family will come. That at least I know for sure and my friends. (laughs) No, but yeah, so it's nerve wracking because it's the first Legally Clueless event. And I really want to turn it into something that we do Maybe four times a year. Anyway, um, as I was shouting out you who's listening to the podcast as we're going, I did get a DM on our Instagram page, which is Legally Clueless Podcast. By the way, I run that Instagram page and sometimes I fail when it comes to responding to Insta DMs. Sometimes I see your story tags way after 24 hours, so I can't even see (laughs)
1: If you were saying something
0: nice or not, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. But I did see this one DM from F.O. Momani. And he said, could we get the continuation of the series of how you left your former employment and the story and legalities around it? It's been three weeks of waiting. So I genuinely forgot that I even started that story. (laughs) Let me just tell it myself right now. I completely forgot that I started telling you guys that story in January and I was meant to continue it. So what I'm going to do, this is going to be a different format of an episode. But it's cool because here we're like flexible like that. I'm going to just take you through all of that. (laughs) Very traumatic, chaotic time of my life. And I have a special guest who's on this week's episode who has been here before. I think she was on episode five, if I'm not wrong. And yeah, super glad to have her back speaking more about the stuff that we touched on in the last time she was on the podcast. Yeah, but before we get to her, let me start off and say, for those of you who didn't know, I was on traditional radio in Kenya for 10 years. So I first started off at a radio station called 1FM. I was doing the drive show. Uh, My co-host was a guy called Roy. Big shout out to him. It was a really fun run. And then I got poached by Kiss FM, super huge media house in Kenya. And I joined... Kiss FM as their mid morning presenter. And I think about three or three and a half or four years in, I then moved to their breakfast show. So we're going to start the story from there. So I think I'm going to put it all in this episode so that I don't end up forgetting. And then in December, I'm like, yeah, did I finish that story from January? <laughs> so I got moved on to the breakfast show not out of choice, it was not my choice. So what had happened is one of the hosts of the breakfast show at the time was on leave and I was moved onto the breakfast show to sit in for her. I didn't really like it because I really hated being moved around because on my mid-morning slot I was building something that was beautiful to me and I also don't like working as a team. Or <laughs> working with other people. So mid-morning was great for me. Because I was doing the show by myself. And then I didn't want to wake up early. I didn't want to move to breakfast. I remember my bosses had to really sweet talk me. They were like, you know what? It's only for two weeks. And then you come back to your show. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. So I sat in for breakfast. And I remember the final day. The final Friday. When I was done sitting on breakfast. I was so happy. I was like on my Insta stories, everywhere just saying, yes, Monday, we're back to like starting the show at 10 a.m. blah 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 blah. But that Friday we'd gotten an email from our CEO and you know he was calling for a presenter meeting on Monday. That was a bit nerve wracking, but at the time I thought, you know, the media scene was changing and still is changing. So I just thought it was to do with that and how can we really tap into the digital world, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't really I think one thing that I learned to do, even from high school, I don't listen to the like the rumor mails and stuff like that. Be it in high school, be it in like the workplace, because then you get stressed over things that you don't even know if they're true or not. Right. So I was like, whatever, He wants to meet us. We'll see on that. I think the meeting was set for Monday or Tuesday. I was like, we'll see when we meet what he has to say. If it's firing us, then it's firing us. This is not our our business. So we can't... <laughs> I mean, if the guy decides to fire us, it's set up. Go in for the meeting on Monday. And the meeting was scheduled during my shows. So I had to record bits of it, go downstairs for the meeting. He was basically saying there's going to be major changes on, on the stations, blah, 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 blah. You know those speeches. And then I went back to... My show, I remember that time, I even had a guest from Tanzania on my show. So I'm ducking in and out of the show. I bet this guy is wondering, what the heck is going on? Does this chick not want me on the show? Or what is it? Anyway, so then after I'm done with the, the interview, the head of radio at the time comes in and he's like, yo, the CEO is waiting to meet you. So until this point, I'd never had a one-on-one meeting with our CEO because I was not hired by him. And there was never a need for me and him to interact. So now that I'm being called there, I'm just like, "Boss, I'm being fired. That is it." <laughs> and I still remember to this date walking to his his office and thinking that, you know, even if I'm being fired, it's not because I didn't give it my best. Like I really worked hard, blah blah blah. You know, giving myself those speeches. And when I got in, he basically was like, you know, nice cities, nice cities. And he was like, so, you know, we're moving you to the breakfast show. My first question was, do I have a choice? He said no. So already from there, I'm just like, well, I guess, (laughs) you know, is this conversation going then? And I remember asking, do your current breakfast presenters know? And, you know, I was told not to worry about that. So that's how I moved on to the breakfast show. And I had to deal with a lot of blogs writing that, oh, I'd stolen the show from so-and-so. And And I was just like, Aki, if you even knew a quarter of how this story went down, but it's all right. (laughs) I think it was either Monday or Tuesday when all of this happened. I can't really remember. But by Thursday, I was co-hosting The Breakfast Show. So here I am doing this show. I've moved from doing a show by myself to now, you know, your your two hosts on the show. I've moved from being able to really control my content because with mid-morning, nobody was like paying so much attention to me because it wasn't seen as a peak time show. And so my ethos of my radio show and even with this podcast was that I just want to make people feel good. I want people to take a break from what is stressing them out. I want them to enjoy good music and just positive vibes. I don't want to be complaining or anything. So I've moved from that to a show where we're talking about what's trending. We're talking about politics. We're complaining about certain things that are going wrong in the community or in the country and complaining, but we we can't really impact change. So I'm like, okay, so we're complaining, but to what end? Right. So I started getting very uncomfortable with the show at the time I didn't realize it was because myself as Adele, I was evolving past talking about what's trending, past complaining, past this 20 year old girl who had just gotten into radio and was so excited about it. I was in my late 20s now and I had evolved, I'd grown personally, right? So I didn't realize that that's probably where my discomfort was stemming from. Anyway, 2017 comes. First, I'm getting married this that year. But I had planned to hand in my resignation in 2017. I was like, I'm going to get married and I'm going to bounce. I'm going to hand in my resignation, blah, blah, blah. But I thought about it hard, hard, hard. And I was like, okay, first and foremost, getting married is already like a huge change in your life. You're going to have to leave with a man. <laughs> cohabit with a man so maybe you know you don't want to have two major life changes in one year so we kind of relaxed on the whole resigning in 2017 and at this point working on that breakfast show was breaking me But I don't think I'd realized how much it was breaking me. Maybe because I had like all of this excitement around the wedding and blah, blah, blah that I was focusing on. Anyway, 2017 ends. I'm very stressed. All my friends will tell you even now, like I was constantly telling my, (laughs) like everybody who's in like my inner circle. I was constantly complaining about my job. I was that friend who was complaining and doing nothing about their situation. And I'm so thankful to date that everyone around me allowed me to complain about the same thing for over a year. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I look back and I'm just like, you guys never got tired of me. Eh. So... 2018, I try and understand where my fears are coming from. Like, why am I crying? I'm not feeling like myself. What am I so scared about when it comes to resigning? And obviously, one of the things was finances. And so I was like, okay, let's be rational about it. Let's hit, you know, set a savings goal that will make me feel comfortable with leaving my job. And let's try and hit it this year. So 2018, I did a lot of commercial campaigns and stuff like that um yeah for the money <laughs> i was gonna say it in like deeper words but i had to hit my savings goals, right but the, the the fears were still there i was having panic attacks like my i remember once my husband and i were driving home and we stopped at a bakery so he went in to get cake i was okay i was calm Ninini. he goes in he comes back to the car and i'm in tears so his first thought is like, did someone come to the car? Like, but the car's okay. You're okay. What's happening? I think it was a Sunday and I just started having this panic attack because Monday meant I was going back to work and I hated what I was doing. I hated my job. So around 2018, October, I hit my savings goals. Now I'm calm. I'm cool, calm, collected. I'm just like, woo. All right. Now, all that we need to do is we need to hand in this resignation letter. I was still having like major meltdowns. I was still a shell of myself. And then, you know, the funny thing about um, being in the media and the limelight and whatever is that when that mic goes on or when the cameras go on, you have to become this character. You have to be happy. You have to be, you know, vibrant, even though inside it's killing you to be in that space. And I and I keep saying this to date. I felt like for the four hours I was on air, I had a mask, right? And I was putting on this mask. And then at 10.01, I could take the mask off and I could breathe. It was really because I just genuinely hated my job. And I I had evolved past being in that space, but I was so consumed with fear that I I couldn't jump. And then because of that, now I was feeling guilty because I'm like, Adele, you are the only thing that is standing between you and happiness and freedom and daring to be. So I was feeling so guilty because of that. So December 27th, I go to work and... I hand in my resignation letter. I feel so empowered afterwards. Then, the first week of January, my CEO calls me in for a meeting and he's like, yo got this resignation letter of yours, I'm not understanding what's happening, like how can we change that? And I was very honest about knowing that my purpose had shifted the show and working in that space was not aligned with my purpose and I was so uncomfortable because of that. I knew I wanted to work with the youth, I knew I wanted to do a lot of stuff with um, African women. I just wanted to dare to be, I wanted to create more, and I just felt stifled. Anyway, and also, I, I I think the reason that I started those negotiations with my CEO at the time was because you're always told don't leave on a bad note, na na na. You have to like don't burn bridges. So I was, I knew I wanted to leave, but I kind of entertained those conversations because I didn't want to burn bridges. Now, in a boardroom, bringing in parts of your personality is a strength, but you also have to be very aware of the business angle of things and what are your deal breakers. And you have to understand from a legal perspective so you don't find yourself signing on to things that you, you didn't want. So for three months, my CEO and I would meet once or twice a week. It was very exhausting, but I learned so much In those three months. First I learned to have a good lawyer. (laughs) The second thing I learned is like you read your contracts. Most of us just turn to the clause that deals with how much are we going to be paid. We don't look at what the exit clause says. Is there non-compete? Which basically means that when you leave this job. Are you barred from working in that industry. In that country for a certain number of months. Some of them by the way. Some of those clauses bar you from working in that industry, not only in that country, but in that region. So it could be like Eastern Africa and stuff like that. You need to also look at that because that means for what, three months, where you're gonna be making money when you leave that job, right? Especially now with the digital world, some contracts will buy you from doing any revenue generating campaigns on your social media because they could be perceived to be direct competition for your employer. I really learned that yes, it's important to have a lawyer, but it's also important to walk into those rooms with the audacity to ask for what you truly believe will make you comfortable enough to work well. So some of the things that I was asking for were like a producer in terms of content, in terms of technical, because if we were going to do any visuals for the show, there were three or four people I was, I was looking for. My thing was that if we're trying to create a powerful show that can compete globally, not just locally, but globally, then we need the right brains around it. And so what I put in my contract that saved me was that to be able to do my job, I require these people. And without those people, I can terminate the contract and not serve notice. I finished serving my notice on the 27th of March. And so between that date and the 1st of April, I was actually unemployed. So I was not on air. And I think it fell on like Wednesday. Day. And so Thursday, Friday, I was not on air. Everybody thought it was, oh, because she's sick or whatever. But fam, I was not an employee for, the <laughs> for those days. On Wednesday, I had given me a contract. Actually, during the three months, I received one contract that did not have the clauses that I had asked for. And so on International Women's Day, March 8th, 2019, I'll never forget I handed my CEO back the first draft of this new contract. We were renegotiating because it didn't reflect what I had asked for. That was really hard for me because he had like upped my salary and, you know, you see those zeros and you're like, "Ooh, <laughs> this could go a long way, right? But I had to stand by what I was asking for, which were things that would, ensure not only that i i I create a really good show but that i would be comfortable enough to do my job without breaking because at that time my job was breaking me yeah so i that I, i give that contract back on march 8th so on march 27th my final day they give me another contract again It had most of the clauses that I'd asked for, but one of the clauses that I'd asked for was not there to completion. And it was the most important clause that said, if the team that I'd asked for, so, you know, the producer, blah, 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 if they were not there. If, if my employer didn't hire those people, then I walk away from the job, I can terminate the contract and not serve notice. That clause was important to me because it protected me. So remember, whenever you're going into whatever contract it is, what clauses are protecting you? It's not only... The clauses that have to do with payment, uh-uh. there's a lot more that you can put in to be able to protect yourself. And because we are ignorant about that, employers or whoever it is that you're getting into a partnership with will take advantage of your ignorance. So April 1st, <laughs> April Fool's Day, I sign the new contract because now they put in all my clauses properly for 2 months they didn't hire the technical staff that I was I needed they were for the first month they were doing like the interviews and stuff like that at this time emotionally I'm still breaking so I'm not doing well internally um and so that's why on June 7th was it June 7th before I give you guys the wrong dates yes it was June 7th a Friday I made up my mind that day that I am going to terminate now the new contract. <laughs> so it's like I resigned twice in like six months. Anyway, so, <laughs> and that night then I had dinner with two of my friends, one being Linda and who who was a former colleague, but more than that, a friend. Yeah, that was my final day. So back to Linda, Linda Nyangueso, she uh, is such a beautiful human being. And she was somebody who even during that period, I kept talking to and, you know, she knew everything that I was going through. And I've had her on Legally Clueless. I think it's episode five. Yes, episode five. Wow. It's like I know my podcasts off by heart. She talked about the turning point for her in terms of like loving her body. And I know that's a favorite episode for quite a few people. Well, I brought her back. It's because I wanted to have a conversation that Durex have started, which is about you and I being deserving of not just good, but great sex. But there are a couple of things that keep us from having great sex. And some of those things are the baggage that we carry into the bedroom or, you know, the car or whatever it is. <laughs> no judgment. That baggage includes body insecurities. Because of the insecurities we have of our bodies, We think that we're inadequate in terms of how we look, and we're so conscious about what we perceive to be flaws in our bodies that it stops us from having great intimate relationships. So what Durex is saying is that we need to own our situation. In fact, that's the hashtag if you want to explore the conversation that's happening online further. It's owning who we are, What we look like, refusing to beat ourselves down because we don't fit into what society has defined as beautiful or sexy or physically deserving of having sex with. You know what I mean? So what I decided is to bring back Linda because I think she scratched the surface of this conversation a bit in episode five. So I thought, okay, let me bring her back and we can have... This conversation on owning our situation together, but in a fun way. So I filled up my home studio stroke office with balloons, (laughs) black and orange balloons. You can see the visuals if you go to Legally Clueless podcast on Instagram. I put questions to do with our body insecurities and how that affects our sex life in the orange balloons what you're about to hear is linda and i sitting down busting balloons and answering questions on our insecurities and how we have decided to own our situation okay so there's a question in every orange balloon and so you need to burst it Ah! (laughs) (laughs)
1: that was a lot oh wow we survived. I think like we've completely
0: <laughs> scared my neighbors. <laughs> only how many more to go? <laughs> okay, so the question is, what parts of your body are you insecure about? I think my legs, mm-hmm. although I've made like some progress, but mm-hmm. I still like I have eczema scars mm-hmm. and so I would you know, I would always have like yeah, tight stockings, yeah. stockings. I can tell you all the stocking clubs yeah. in Nairobi. <laughs> Um, so
1: definitely my legs because of my scars. Uh, for me, first, I'll start with like, so there was one time I watched this episode of Oprah and my mom was watching it and I was a kid mm-hmm. and they were talking about boobs, right? And how like, you know, your boob is good when I mean, you can put a pencil under it and it rolls. And so like, I tried it, the pencil just, it was a wallet. <laughs> like, like, Anybody else got more things? So like, so in my head, I was just like, oh my God, that's yeah. what the right boob is supposed to look like. So like when it came to like, nakedness in front of other people because you don't see you know you don't see boobs yeah but you know what the right boob is supposed to be but wait explain this pencil thing so it means like you have a pencil you put it under your boob like with no bra yeah and if it rolls your boob is like perky okay ah but if it it... envelopes I was just like, oh, no, I could never pass it. What am I doing being naked in front of somebody? Um, The other thing I was always insecure about, of course, like my stomach, because like, you know, you don't have like the flat. You know how like when you lie flat, you look really good. But when you get up or when you turn to the (laughs) side, everything turns with you. And so you're like, oh, no, (laughs) why would I ever subject anyone to (laughs) this? you just be me alone when that happens <laughs> yeah so there's that <laughs> okay so boobs legs stomach, stomach um arms for me I don't know why oh yeah it took me forever to wear like I, I now wear short sleeves yeah but for, I couldn't yeah my
0: my arm thing was because I also have the scars mm. yeah so it took me yeah. a long time until i had done like.
1: Years of work, Yeah, moisturized See, I and didn't. tried
0: everything. Then I started wearing like until here. Oh, even yeah, progress. Here. Yeah, and then now look, <laughs> I Good can even do you know.
1: like yeah, me I'll too. I'm, now. I'm just like, hey, you know, <laughs> if I like it, I will wear it. Yeah, yeah, so
0: those those are definitely funny enough. Even though like you know, I get trolled for my teeth and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I've never really been insecure. Me too.
1: Yeah, I'm me like, too. People the... say like either I look like I have very many teeth missing. Or that I have very many teeth in general. So I'm like, if you can't decide, why should I be mad at it? (laughs) Decide by then, then let me know. Yeah.
0: So next question. Okay, I'm too scared to. You just. Where did that that one? It's too close to my ear. (laughs) Okay. Did your insecurities still affect your sex life? Yes.
1: Yes. Oh, I will say yes and no.
0: I don't know if it did or do. do. Yeah. Do do your insecurities still affect? Yeah, because like life? when I was when I was first starting out, yeah. like in
1: my sexual prowess. Yeah. Of course, they affected my sex life because that was all I thought about. I mean, and mm. what you think about your body is what you take into that room. Yeah. But like now, I think because I care less. Not so much. I think mine. Definitely, mm-hmm.
0: definitely. I think it's still like a bit. Mm-hmm. It's only later on you realize. I think maybe in my mid-twenties is when I was like, hiya, yeah.
1: I'm good looking, looking, and he like, doesn't even care. care. Yeah. Okay, It yeah. yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> it's just me in the room like, oh, no. Because it's just like, lights off, please. Yeah, lights off. Or like, keep the bra on. For me, it was keep the bra on. Because, you know, in the movies, yeah. they always keep the bra
0: on. And then you're not as, because that's another thing, a lot of the things that influence how we go into, like, sexual relationships or even just having sex is that we see what it is in music, videos, or in movies. Yeah. And those chicks always look a certain way. Yep. Right?
1: Fully made up. Yeah. And
0: so you're just like, I, what? I can never achieve that's that. not me. Like, that's
1: and not... And then on top of that, you're supposed to be secure in how you look and be acrobatic. Yeah. So it's like, where do you mix the two where it's like... <laughs> where is so, it yeah, okay? But I think I still
0: do have it... To date, because like for me, there's a lot of like trauma related mm-hmm. to sex, yeah, just because of surviving rape, and mm-hmm. so I do come in with a lot of like baggage. Yeah. it's almost like I open the bedroom with like,
1: yeah, I've got a few friends <laughs> have sex, <laughs> <laughs> but not the ones. <laughs> yeah, so it's like such a yeah.
0: mental thing yeah. for me as well. So that's also an insecurity that plays in, but I have done a lot of, yeah, work I think I've made strides like mm-hmm. even just to be able to show another human being my body as it is yeah i'm like are you going to bust another one
1: um
0: no the black ones don't have please don't okay
1: wait
0: <laughs> how did that insecurity manifest in an intimate or sexual situation like do you have uh, an
1: actual for me, I'll say, first, it started from people who look like me mm-hmm. are never portrayed as sexual beings anywhere, right? So you never see, like, a factor. Until, like, lately. Thanks, Lizzo. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you never see a fat person portrayed as a healthy sexual person. Not, like, an oversexed or an undersexed mm-hmm. person. Just, like, a healthy sexual individual with sexual needs. So I didn't know how I was supposed to be sexual. So even for me, I was always, like, I, I thought this, like, I, I just want to be the girl's friend and the boy's guys. You know, like, I was just like... I hang
0: out with the boys. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm the, the funny friend. Yeah. And I
1: have a witty thing to say. But when it came to, like, being sexual, I didn't know how to be mm. sexual. So, like, I felt like everything I was doing was wrong. Oh, if you should be sexual. Yeah, or if yeah, I should yeah, be. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And I can gauge if it's like, is this the appropriate time? <laughs> or am I just being weird? So, for me, it now, I mean, it helps that, yeah. like, I have husbands. So I know, like, if I'm going to be sexual... <laughs> This this guy. <laughs> yeah, like he signed paperwork. <laughs> so he's stuck here now. But like before, it was always like, am I like the fun, yeah. ugly friend who I come along with, like the girls in the club? And I'm just like, here's my friend. Yeah. And then they're like, no, I'm trying to talk to you. And I'm
0: like, ugh. I think also it's linked directly to our body image. Yeah. So the body image meant that, I think for me, like if I connect the dots backwards, it meant that even the trendy looks, I would not yeah. wear those. Because like, I could not, in my head, I'm like, I cannot that's show not my, for me, yeah. my arms, I cannot show my legs. Mm-hmm. So that's not for me. So the definition of what a hot, sexy. sexual, yes. sexy girl was the person who could wear all of those things and looks that yes. way. So even in my head, I'm like, you'd get shocked if a guy's like, oh, your you're like... Are you feeling yeah, okay? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you okay? Are you alright? Right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Or you're just like, am my last resort yeah. or whatever, right? Or like um, three a.m.,
1: babe, you know? Yeah, exactly. When all the other babes are <laughs> going home, then he's like, well, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> I'm like, that's me. <laughs> but i also think
0: like for me in terms of like sexual trauma and i think i've only had this conversation maybe like okay outside of my therapist like two other women who've probably gone through the same thing like you actually find yourself crying like in the moment right so yes you love this guy or you're in like an intimate relationship with him or whatever and you re- you do actually want to, to have yeah. sex with him, but it triggers yeah. in that moment and you're just like worst timing. Yeah. And you just start crying. And if you're not close enough to the studio to the story, like, that he didn't know he didn't know all of this backstory,
1: yeah. it's like and then by the time it's happening, if you're not close enough, it's like, do I, do I, do I just go home? <laughs> yeah. This the right time. No. Like, how do I bring this up? And so that's where I
0: have to and I still have to do like a lot of work yeah. on because then it just you'll start crying, you know, it manifests differently for different people, but for me, for sure, tears. Tears,
1: Because I was always insecure and I always felt like the, the you know, there's the first prize and then there's like participation <laughs> award. I always felt like just the participation award. So I always felt like I'd have to overperform even mm. because I'm like, I don't want to prove everyone else mm. right, that like you shouldn't have picked me. So I'd like get out of my sexual comfort zone. Yeah, Even if I didn't want to be performing these things or I didn't want to be in yeah. this situation. I would do it because I was like, he'll leave me, he'll realize that like, I became like, yeah. can I say pick me, bitch? Mm. I became a pick me, bitch, where I was just like, any guy who picked me, I was going to overperform to keep him. Because he's picked yeah. you. Yeah, so yeah. even like, I think about my first time, it wasn't because I wanted to have sex, but I felt like if I didn't, he'd be like, I could have done better. Now that I think about it, do you think guys have this kind of thing going on? I think so. I really
0: actually think so because what what fuels our what we think sex should look like or feel like and stuff like that especially in a culture where we don't talk about these things it's what we say it's it's films it's it's music videos it's porn. porn yeah and the the women in those things look a certain way but yeah. also the men that's true look a certain way hey these insecurities man right <laughs> okay next question <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was that sound like for? <laughs> The evolution of Adele and Linda. (laughs) All right, here we go. How do you intentionally own your situation?
0: Yes. So like, how do you, even with your insecurities or the image you have about your body and stuff, how do you own that so that you can have... Um, a good sexual experience, mm-hmm. and you can feel good about yourself. Yeah. Feel. So are there things that you intentionally do?
1: Uh, For sure. First of all, you have to remind yourself that you're not the only one feeling crap about yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That also really helps because a lot of the times yeah. you think the world revolves around yeah. you and when I'm feeling sad, you know, yeah. everyone knows it. The truth is everybody's insecure for something, okay? Mm-hmm. And something that you think is your strongest, you know, like, thing to somebody else, that's the one thing they're yeah. insecure about. So yeah, you yeah. got to understand that we're all dealing with shit. Yeah. So I've also learned that fake it till you make it when it comes to confidence. You meet somebody who tells you how they're going to be the next big thing. <laughs> and you're just like, in what though? You know? <laughs> and they, because they, they manifested it and they yeah. said it to themselves consciously, they became it, right? It comes right? To be, yeah. So I've learned that even with confidence, I have to tell myself this. And then also, I think for me, it changed a little when I had my daughter, and even for me, a lot of my insecurities came from how my mom talked about her body in front of me. Mm. You know, my mom was always a, on a diet, taking me on a uh, diet with her. So okay. I started getting on diets when I was maybe 10, you know, like, that's not healthy. Yeah. But I'd see my mom like, oh, God, not again, not yeah. this. And so I had to start telling myself that, like, the more I say it out loud and I think it, when I'm in front of her, that's what she's going to think of her body. So you have to say the positive. Right. Even, even, when you you like, yeah, even when I don't yeah, believe yeah, it. Even when I don't believe it, I'm just like, I'm so pretty
0: <laughs> today
1: you know like i'm passing yeah but you see like i have to so even like small things like as much as i like when she sees me with makeup she's enjoying me doing my makeup mm. some days i'll go out without makeup sure that like it's not a thing it's not a yeah. thing that like is my mask every day yeah. and also get lingerie for yourself yeah
0: because yeah. It, makes you it makes you feel a sexy. way and for the, and the way time, you walk around in it and, yeah you know for the longest time, I didn't, even before even lingerie, mm. like, you know, these bodysuits that, yeah. like, are sheer and whatever. Yeah. I used to let them on other people. I'm like, that's for those right. guys, you right? Try, you start with, like, the baby
1: doll. Yeah! And you're like, ooh! And then you're just, and you have this extra bounce in right? your step. You're like, right. wow! So, for me, I buy we? lingerie for myself now. Yeah. Like, first of all, I think my husband would care less. He's like... Actually, you know it's true, because <laughs> I wanted to ask
0: my husband, yeah. like, what are your thoughts around
1: lingerie? And stuff. Mm. he's like, it's just... Me, like it's a lot of that point then like, you know my husband told me it's like when you get a gift that has so much wrapping you don't know how to unwrap mm. it quickly to see it mm. so for me, he doesn't care so it should be for because you for know you.
0: how it makes you feel exactly
1: but I think also for me it's to understand
0: that it's not Consistent. So the days that I don't feel good about myself, yes. just write it, it out. A little, like, yeah. just, it, it's not now, it's undone, all the work that you've put into it's not and it's percent It's not okay.
1: a, 100% like one day you get confident and mm. it
0: remains cons- mm. constant. I don't even think there's anything like 100% perfect, which is, when it goes back to like our conditioning of how sex looks like or mm. how attractive women or men look like, mm. those are all staged sets. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not real life. It's not, because attraction not in itself is relative. Yeah.
1: What you find attractive, I'm just like, well. Actually, last one. The Please last do one. No. G- do you want to try this one? Uh-uh,
0: uh-uh. I can't. I will scream. Ah! <laughs> where did it go? Okay, so the question is, where did those insecurities, so the insecurities we have about our body and stuff like that, stem from? I'm trying to think of the earliest memory, but I'll start with like what I, so obviously in terms of like sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and like surviving rape, that's like a major insecurity. So you kind of like, well, not an insecurity, it's like a major thing. It's trauma. And so you're trying to- Like you can
1: pinpoint it to a day. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you're trying to pin, like to rebuild what, first rebuild yourself, Mm -hmm. right, to where you were.
1: Before
0: Before the trauma. So they call it, like, reintegration, like, in your healing. So now how do we bring you back
1: to before the trauma?
0: That's intense. And then now, in a sexual context, you're trying to redefine what a normal... Because also sex is a part
1: of life, and then you have to now make it less traumatic. And then my
0: first sexual encounter was rape. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do I
1: re... Normalize sex when the only normal sex thing was traumatic yeah
0: Yeah. so that's even until today i'm still trying to like Mm. piece it together and like not be scared not be afraid to do the hard work but it means you have to have like uncomfortable conversations yeah. all the time, so sex is heavy.
1: Yeah, all right? the time, but then that's also like with choosing the right partners, right?
0: But body-wise, where do they come from? I think conditioning, you know? Yeah. So you can't really pinpoint and say it was when I was one year old or when I was two years because you're constantly being fed what an, a definition of beauty is, or a, a sexy woman looks like. Yeah. Obviously they're not saying this is what a sexy woman looks like, yeah. Over and over, if it's in adverts and whatever, this is all we see, or even in school, there's a certain type of girl who always, yeah, for, yeah, 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 you know, looking it's, at, and you start understanding. oh, Emily okay. Clark,
1: I remember it, <laughs> Emily Clark, and we were all just like, oh, to be Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like when I was going through people. I think for me, it started. Before puberty, because I was always the chunky girl, right? Mm. And then there was that part where you're like, you're the cute little fat girl. Then you're like, now you're like the fat teenager and guys don't know what to do with you anymore. And then because they know this one idea of sexy, Mm. Emily Clark. (laughs) The rest of us are just like, nobody even knows your name. They just know you're not Not Emily Emily Clark. (laughs) So it's like, so for me it was like, Yeah, I I think I can remember the day. And then I remember telling my mom about Emily Clark. Mm. And she was like, you know, we need to do a diet. Because Mm. my mom, that's how she spoke. Now she's really changed. When I told her, like, I honestly think that probably traumatized me in the way I looked at my body, because Mm. my body was looking a lot like yours. And you talk such crap about yours. So it made me feel like, yeah, that's yeah, not, how it, that's not how it should be. that's not how it should be. So she said, let's go on this diet. I heard about this diet. There's this place, okay? It's like a mall. It's a strip mall. And then you go in there, there's this office, and they inject you three times a day for three weeks, okay? So I was like, and I scar easy. So I had mm. the scars, and then, like, I couldn't eat in front of her, because my mom was like, just, like, nibble. Nibble like a bird. Yeah. Just nibble. <laughs> and, like, that's what we're doing for six months. But, like, i go to school, and, like, because I'd be so hungry. Mm-hmm first I learned to secretly eat because I was like it's shameful for me to eat in public because people look at me like that's all she's ever doing yeah as if right and so like first I would eat hidden and then from that it became like even like when it came to sexual relationships I was almost okay being a hidden sexual partner Mm -hmm. I was never the person flaunted as like my girlfriend. Yeah. I was always like, Emily Clark's not here, let me call her. And you, you were okay with it. And I was yeah, okay with it yeah, because yeah, yeah. Like, everything about me and my body was done in secret. Where my mom's like, don't tell people you're on a diet, they'll make you feel bad about it. Mm. Don't tell people you're insecure, you know, like everything became be a secret, it's fine. So even when I started interacting with men,
0: secret, yeah. I was okay with yeah. being a secret.
1: And I was never the girlfriend that met his friends or met his partners. So, like, even with, like, my first, I will say my first real adult boyfriend was my now husband. And it always felt weird to me that he'd be like, oh, this is my mom. And I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) you know, I kept waiting for the ball to drop, like, (sighs) and it never did. And then that's when it, like, I had to, I did therapy because I'd met such a good man and I didn't believe it. Mm. You know? because i was cool with being the secret i was like because the for years i eat in secret i used to eat mm. in the toilet like who what kind of kid is so traumatized about yeah. their own body yeah. that they eat in the toilet my first relationship ever even as like as a teenager my first boyfriend first he was much older which definitely that had to do with my insecurities not mm. like a cute older like bro <laughs> like i think about it now so he wasn't like 40 but like compared to how old i was it was too old mm. and like mentally we were never going to be in the same place right and I remember the only reason I got together with him is because I'd never really gotten a compliment from a dude. Uh, and he didn't even compliment me. I think about it a lot now. I'm just like, I hope my daughter is never in this place. Because he was like, um, there was some person and I was laughing about it. You know how I, I laugh at things because yeah. it helps me cope? That's my coping mechanism. And I was like, oh, they called me ugly in school <laughs> again. And he's like, you're not that bad. That was the closest to a compliment. Yeah, that's not a compliment. It's not, but yeah. you see, in my teenage mind and heart and loins, <laughs> <laughs> that's it also sounded important. Like, that's like you could, like, oh. you could round it off <laughs> exactly top, to so the a compliment. nearest compliment. Yeah, yeah, And so, like, I ended up with this dude, and like, my mom showed up, like, trying to beat people up. Like, it was a mm. lot. But because of my insecurities, I allowed myself to get to this place. So basically, yeah. what we're saying is, we all have
0: our insecurities. There's mm. some that we're we're working on, and we're getting through them. And even in a sexual context, we do get into those relationships with our insecurities, but we own who we are, know that we're deserving of a good sexual experience, Mm -hmm. and we don't have to look like what we've been conditioned to believe is beautiful or sexy. (laughs) 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 And so we're basically just owning our situation. I can't be the only person who thinks Linda needs to go into stand-up comedy. She's just so hilarious. Remember to check out the videos of our conversation. They're on Legally Clueless Podcast on Instagram. All I can say is, man, balloons are scary. (laughs) They really are. They really are. Um, This week, I thought about putting in an hundred African story, but I thought it would just be too much. There's a lot of depth in this episode, so I didn't want to like overload you with that. But let me tell you, the story that is coming next week is surefire. It's, um, you know what? Wait until next week. I have this bad habit of just giving away too much. But right now I just want to say thank you for being part of the Legally Clueless tribe. Of course, follow on Instagram so if there are any BTS videos, you get those. And remember to keep March 18th free because we turn one year old and we'll be celebrating from 7pm. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.